Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, November 23rd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, a happy Black Friday to you. I hope you are not caught in massive traffic jams or being bludgeoned by crowds of angry shoppers today. When you get a chance, definitely check out my Fun on Friday column over at shiftgold.com news. If you were forced to go out today, I think you'll probably appreciate it. And uh, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. My family is actually celebrating Thanksgiving today, so I'm pre-recording this week's Friday Gold Wrap on Thursday. So you guys are probably uh, either gorging yourselves or getting ready to enjoy a turkey feast. Uh, I'm working, but tomorrow is my payoff and we'll do our Thanksgiving celebration tomorrow. So since this is a holiday week, I thought I would do something a little bit different. We're not going to have an overview of this week's Precious Metals News, uh, but you can go over to shiftgold.com news and check out our blog. There are a number of articles there that will kind of give you an overview of some things that are going on this week. And uh, today I'm going to share a story of the pilgrims with you guys, uh, a story that most Americans don't know. And it's about how socialism nearly wiped out the pilgrim settlers and how embracing the principles of private property and, well, in effect, capitalism saved them. This is just a basic practical lesson in economics. Now, I know most people find economics incredibly boring. You just mention the word and they start snoozing. And as a result, most people don't bother to learn even basic economics. And as a result of this, they run around proposing ignorant policies and quote-unquote solutions to problems that they wouldn't if they had a basic grasp on economic principles and economic concept. I think most people's eyes glaze over when you mention economics because they envision numbers and equations and charts, and uh, we can blame this on our college Econ 101 classes that a lot of us had to take. That's pretty much how Econ is taught. Now, numbers are certainly part of the equation, pun intended, but equations aren't really the basis of economics. Economics is about human behavior. It's about human action. Economists basically study how people act and behave. It's about priorities, incentives, and fundamentally, it's about allocating resources in a world of scarce resources. Now, the experience of the pilgrims is the perfect object lesson in economic realities. It reveals exactly why you can't trade in feel-good notions for sound economic reasoning. The real world is ruthless. It doesn't care how you feel. It doesn't care what sounds good or what sounds noble or what sounds pure. All the feel-good dreams of lollipops, unicorns, and rainbows shatter against the hard wall of economic reality. And the pilgrims learn this the hard way. Now, as you probably learned in your elementary history classes, the pilgrims arrived in Massachusetts on November 11th, 1620. Now, before they went ashore, they decided that they needed some kind of governing document. As William Bradford described, this day, 
before we came to harbor, observing some not well affected to unity and concord, but gave some appearance of faction, it was thought good there should be an association and agreement that we should combine together in one body and to submit to such government and governors as we should by common consent agree to make and choose and set our hands to this that follows word for word. And thus we have what we know today as the Mayflower Compact. Now, this is actually a pretty short document. It's all of three sentences. And in effect, it established a pure democracy. Everybody had a common voice. Everybody was required to obey the will of the majority. And nobody was allowed to go their separate way if they disagreed or felt disaffected. Now, this sounds good, right? This is the basic of good government. You know, our, our civics teacher would love this. We have unity, cooperation, a social compact. Everybody's working toward a common goal. But as Harold Peace put it in an article he recently wrote, what is not said but resulted nonetheless was the end of private property and the free market system. No reason to excel if excellence is disincentivized. All were forced to accept the collective will with no opportunity, if disaffected, to take themselves out of it. As a result, the colony almost starved to death. So the pilgrims settled on shore in December. They actually stayed on the ship for almost a month. And the conditions were miserable, as you can imagine Massachusetts would be in December. As William Bradford described it in his journal, that which was most sad and lamentable was that in two or three months' time, half of their company died, especially in January and February, being the depth of winter, and wanting houses and other comforts, being infected with the scurvy and other diseases, so as there died sometimes two or three a day. In an aforesaid time, that of 100 and odd persons, scarce 50 remained. So, cold, disease lack of food and shelter, knocked off about half of the pilgrim population in that very first winter. Now, the pilgrims had placed all of their food and provisions in a common store. It was set up on the, uh, the socialist principle of from each according to his ability to each according to his need. So the following fall, they had their first harvest and it all went into this common store. That November, the ship Fortune arrived with 30 new settlers, mostly young men. But according to accounts, they brought, quote, not so much as a biscuit cake with them. So these new settlers showed up with no food. So we've got more people now depending on this common store. The future looked bleak as food supplies ran out and the planned socialist community began to starve once again. So the following year, the harvest was poor in spite of the additional manpower. Nevertheless, once again, the pilgrims put their meager harvest, harvest in a common store, and that winter, they starved. So the colonists were learning economics the hard way. Richard Grant in The Incredible Bread Machine wrote, For two years, the pilgrims faithfully practiced a communal ownership of the means of production, and for two years, nearly starved to death, rationed at times to, quote, but a quarter of a pound of bread a day to each person, unquote. Governor Bradford wrote that, quote, famine must still ensue the next year also, if not some way prevented. He described how the colonists finally decided to introduce the institution of private property, again from his journal. They began to think how they might raise as much corn as they could and obtain a better crop than they had done, that they might not still thus languish in misery. 
After much debate of things, the governor, with the advice of the chiefest among them, gave way that they should set down every man for his own, and to trust themselves, so assigned to every family a parcel of land. This had very good success, for it made all hands very industrious, so as much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been by any means the governor or any other could use, and gave far better content. The women now went willingly into the field and took their little ones with them to set corn, which before would allege weakness and inability, whom to have compelled would have been thought great tyranny and oppression. So, reflecting on the experience of the previous two years, Bradford goes on to describe the folly of communal ownership. He said, The experience that was had in this common course and condition, tried sundry years, and that amongst godly and sober men, may well invince the vanity of that conceit of Plato and other ancients applauded by some of later times, that the taking away of property and bringing in community into a common wealth would make them happy and flourishing, as if they were wiser than God. For this community, so far as it was, was found to breed much confusion and discontent, and retard much employment that would have been to their benefit and comfort. For the young men that were most able and fit for labor and service did repine that they should spend their time and strength to work for other men's wives and children without any recompense. The strong or man of parts had no more in division of victuals and cloths than he that was weak and not able to do a quarter that others could. This was thought injustice. So, quoting Harold Peace again, one variable alone made the difference and ended the three-year famine. They abandoned the notion of government or corporation owning the means of production and distribution in favor of the individual having property and being responsible to take care of himself. Before, no one benefited by working because he received the same compensation as those who did not. After the change, everyone kept the benefits of his labor. Those who chose not to work basically chose to be poor, and the government, corporation, no longer confiscated from those who produced to give to those who did not. No government food stamps here. Scarcity, human behavior, incentives, human action. The experience of the pilgrims vividly demonstrates basic economic principles. Their good intentions could not overpower the cold, hard realities of economic principles. They never have, and they never will. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can keep up with all of the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links for both of those on our show notes page. And if you're listening on YouTube, share your thoughts about the pilgrims in this week's story or what's going on in the world of gold or the economy in the comments section. We always love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you again next week.